Hello, my friends. This is Pastor Christopher Alam at home in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I trust you and your family are doing well in God's blessings. And we are in the subject of uh, uh, the blood covenant. And one of uh, yesterday, we finished off with Yavinisi, the Lord, our banner of victory. And we started uh, with the next attribute uh, or Jehovah name, and that is Yahweh Jireh, um, that I'm the Lord, your provider. And that's where we are. And uh, the last verse I read to you was Genesis 17, verse 1. And I'm, I'll repeat that. It says, and when Abraham was 90 years old and nine, he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Now, uh, the way it says, I am the almighty God, God introduced himself again. He says, I am almighty God. And this almighty God is actually in the Hebrew is El Shaddai. I am El Shaddai, which means I am God who is more than enough. That means God is more than enough. God is more than what I could ever need or ask for. So whenever you need something from God, never be ashamed to ask him. Never feel that you are asking God for too much. You are not, especially if you are a missionary. Uh, I'm a missionary and we have needs in our ministry. And I don't want to be bashful when asking God because I'm not asking somebody he's, who is poor because the Bible says that the gold and the silver and the cattle on a thousand hills belong to him. And my life is not about wealth and money for myself, but I need money to preach the gospel. And I want to do big things for God. And when you want to do big things for God, you need big money. And believe me, God has everything you need. You know, in the assemblies of God, we have, we have got uh, several thousand missionaries and we have, um, we, have, uh, we have the Convoy of Hope. That's a huge ministry uh, doing humanitarian work all over the world. So we've got, I think, hundreds of millions of dollars we need uh, for our missions work. And, and the thing is that here in the assemblies of God, because we are doing God's work and we believe and you know we don't hold back we we you know we need uh, finances and the lord blesses people in our churches and they generously give and we are able to do everything that god has called us to do i've got friends who are missionaries uh, out there on the field and uh, uh, you know, I have, I'm with the Assemblies of God, but I have my own ministry, so I don't get any missions funds from the Assemblies of God, but I'm a part of the fellowship. And I know many of these missionaries who are doing great, great ministry outside. And I want you to know that God is always faithful and meets everybody's needs because he's El Shaddai. We, in the Assemblies of God, we don't say, oh, we can only send out 50 missionaries because we don't have much. No, you, we think big because... We talk about world evangelism. We talk about, you know, I'm glad to belong to a fellowship where we talk about world evangelism. We talk about church planting. We talk about sending out missionaries all over the world. And it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic thing that God is doing through the Assemblies of God. But the Assemblies of God is only one denomination. There's so many other people who are preaching the gospel who God is using all over the world and all these ministries that need money. We also need finances, but we serve a God who is El Shaddai, who is more than enough. Whatever is needed for the gospel, he will always provide. He will always take care. That is why we never ask God for too little because we don't serve a God who is poor 
or who is short of funds or who is in debt. He's El Shaddai. He's more than enough. No, that is one thing. The other thing I noticed is that when Abraham was 99 years old and the Lord said to him, I am El Shaddai. Can you imagine at 99 years old, you would think the guy would have retired. No, he's not retired. He still has visions. And at 99 years of age, in his old age, he has visions. And God is telling him, hey, Abraham, I'm your God. I'm more than enough. Everything you need, I have. Praise God. I want to be at that place in my life so that when I'm old and people are wondering when I'm going to retire, I'm before my God with outstretched hands because he's more than enough. And I'm busy preaching the gospel and busy doing ministry. And my God, El Shaddai, he takes care of all my needs. Hallelujah. And if you are in the ministry, you should be the same. You should never be limited by what, by what people think, what, by what people say to you. I've got a missionary friend in Tanzania, Pastor Egon Falk, is doing a fantastic work. He's doing crusades, planting churches. And, uh, uh, you know, I mean, he's like, a, he's, he's like the godfather of all of us. You know, I mean, he, he, he's been doing ministry as far as anyone can remember. He's got a Bible school training pastors. And some people were saying to him, oh, Brother Aegon, you're in your 70s. You should retire. But how can you retire when your heart is full of visions? And, and he's preaching and the Lord is El Shaddai meeting all his needs and he's still going strong. So don't limit the Holy One of Israel, don't limit God and don't limit yourself because here is Abraham, 99 years of age and still full of vision because God comes to him and God didn't say, hey, Abraham, have you thought you're 99 years old? Maybe you should just close down shop and go and go to a, a nursing home and sit there until you die. No, he says, Abraham, I'm God. I'm El Shaddai. I am the one who is more than enough. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. Praise God. Praise God. Now, uh, we are talking about uh, Yahweh Jireh, uh, the Lord who is our provider. In Psalm 105, verse 37, and then verses 40 to 45, it says, He brought them forth also with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. So imagine the people of Israel were in Egypt as slaves. They were impoverished. They were actually slaves. But when they came out of Egypt, he brought them out with silver and gold. Hallelujah. They were poor when they were slaves. But when they were free, God didn't bring them out empty handed. He brought them out with silver and gold. And then it says, and the people asked and he bought, brought quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. He says the people, you know, people eating manna and they wanted meat and the Lord, he, he said, he brought them quails and satisfied them with the bread of heaven. Then he says, he opened the rock and the water gushed out. They ran in the dry places like a river. When they were thirsty, God brought water out of the rock. Why did he do that? Why did he bring them the quail in the wilderness? And why did he Bring them water out of the rock. Verse 42 says, For he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant. Hallelujah. God made a covenant with Abraham and he promised Abraham. He said, I am El Shaddai. I am, I am your God more than enough. But before that he had said, I am Yahweh Jireh. I am the Lord your provider. So when the people of Israel were in the wilderness and they wanted meat to eat, it says he gave them quail to eat. 
and then when they wanted they needed water to drink he said he split open the rock and the waters gushed out and ran like a river in dry places and why did he do that he says because he remembered his holy promise and Abraham his servant hallelujah God always remembers his word God does not forget his word and he remembered the promise he made to Abraham then it says verse 43 and he brought forth his people with joy and his chosen people with gladness he brought them out with joy and with gladness then he says verse 44 and gave them the lands of the heathen and they inherited the labor of the people that means he blessed them he gave them land he blessed them materially why did he do that verse 45 that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws praise ye the lord so listen when god god is a covenant keeping god and when he blessed them with meat when they were hungry and he brought water out of the rock when they were thirsty and caused it to flow like a river in the desert the bible says he did it because he remembered his promise and he remembered uh, abraham his servant and he brought his people out with joy and he gave them lands he caused them to you know inherit the labor of the people why did god do that so that they might observe his statutes, so that they might keep his word keep his laws so this is interesting when god provides your needs when god blesses you with prosperity it is not for you to live and to enjoy and to indulge your flesh some people think that god prospers them so now i can buy all the things i ever wanted no it's not about you it god does that so that you may keep his word and keep his laws you know you see when god meets our needs it brings into our lives a sense of awe and we begin to think and i think this way you know i left my home when i was a refugee I came from a wealthy family and I lost everything when I decided to follow Jesus and they, they put me in prison. They wanted to execute me. They, my bank account was depleted. I lost everything I had and I was down to 75 cents and that's when they threatened to kill me. So I escaped from my home with 75 cents in my pocket and God told me never ask anybody for anything and during that journey God blessed me. God really blessed me. Now. He provided all my needs. I remember in the beginning, I whenever, you know, there were years I couldn't afford to buy a new pair of socks. I didn't have any money, but what happened? If I needed a pair of socks, I prayed and somebody would give me a pair of socks. Uh, if I needed a shirt or a jacket, I prayed and people would give me stuff. Uh, I needed jeans, somebody gave, and that's how I lived. I learned to live that way, but I was happy. Although I had little, everything I had, I could fit into a backpack and, uh, and that's it. I could go from place to place and preach the gospel. And I had maybe two or three shirts, a couple of pairs of trousers, the pair of shoes I wore on my feet and very little else I had in my backpack. But, you know, I was not like, I must have this, I must have that. I was just, for me, the greatest privilege, the greatest remuneration of ministry was the, uh, was the privilege of serving God. That was my greatest compensation. And I served the Lord. And then as the years went, then God began to bless me because, you know, I wasn't after material things and God began to bless me. And then uh, I learned the blessings of giving and, you know, as God would bless me whenever I had more than what I needed to live because I learned to live in a, a simple life. Uh, before I was saved, I came from a wealthy family, lived uh, extravagantly, but I learned to be happy 
living a simple life and I still live a simple life but over the years God has blessed us and and why did he do that so that I may live in awe of him and live in gratitude and keep his word and serve him and not take anything for granted in fact I look at my life I look at what we have we are not the wealthiest people in the world but we have everything we need and I always sometimes I say to Britta I said you know we have received far more than we could ever deserve in this life it is the goodness of God and when we see the goodness of God the way the Lord faithfully takes care of us it makes us want to serve him even more because we have received so much more than we could have ever earned or deserved in this life. So let us live with that sense that we have received so much more than we have deserved in this life. And the greatest reason why God prospers us and blesses us is that so we can live for him and obey his word and be a blessing to others and give away whatever we have more than what we need give it to others because we cannot carry it with us anyway we can't take it with us the only thing we can take with us are the souls we win for jesus so let us live with that thing in our heart you know so it says that god blessed the people of israel with all this why so that they might keep his law that they may walk with him God blesses us to help us so that we can walk with him and keep his word and walk as tight and as close to Jesus as we can. Amen. Now, in the Bible, uh, we are still talking about God is Yahweh Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Now, in the Bible, poverty is a curse. Now, it does not mean that people who are poor are cursed. I'm not saying that those who are poor are under a curse because the Bible does say Hasn't God chosen those who are poor in this world to be rich in faith? So I know people who are poor in third world countries who don't have much, but they're rich in faith and they are doing the will of God. God is using them. I have a friend in Burma, Pastor Tamki. He's not a wealthy man, but I remember I used to give him 100 bucks a month, $100 a month as a support, like I'm talking about 18, 20 years. And that was a huge amount of money for him. But he lived frugally. But you know, you lost count of the number of people he raised from the dead and fed orphans and planted the church. And I mean, he's one of the uh, one of the district superintendents in the assemblies of God in in the center of Burma. And God used him mightily, a man of power, a man of fire. But with him, it was not about money; it was about serving God and reaching people. But what it means in the Bible, the principle of poverty is a curse that the principle of poverty is a curse because poverty it reduces a man so that when a person is poor he is in a place where he's barely has enough to survive you know he he's dependent upon others for his survival uh, that's the lowest level that's poverty then there is another level where you're just subsisting we're just enough where you have just enough and you can help some people you know, at times you can help people, but you're really still surviving. But abundance or prosperity, I, I don't like to use the word prosperity. It has, it has been misused and misunderstood so many times, but let's call it abundance. Abundance is a place where you have enough and more than enough. So you have something extra to give. And I believe that's where God wants us. Now, when you talk about uh, 
a man like Pastor Tamki, as I said, he didn't have much money. So, but I would never call him poor because he was rich in faith. How, you, how can you be poor when you're rich in faith? Because poverty is not only measured in terms of how much, how much you have in your bank account, but poverty is always measured in terms of what you can do for the kingdom of God, for the glory of the Lord Jesus. That's, you know, riches. Because if you look at Jesus, Jesus didn't really have much because he says, uh, foxes have holes, and uh, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So you might say he was poor. Yeah, in dollar sense, Jesus could have been poor, but he was rich in faith. Because you just think, he took five loaves of bread, two small fishes, fed 5,000 people. Fed them so much, there were 12 baskets left over. Now, no poor man can do that. So sometimes you can be poor in, in worldly terms, in dollars, yet because you're rich in faith, your faith overcomes that lack and you can do much more than you could do with money. So that's true riches. I, I want you to keep that in mind. But the principle of poverty, the principle of not having anything, that is a curse. Now, in Deuteronomy 28, uh, I'm reading to verse 15, verses, verse 33, verses 38 to 40. So I'm going to put this verse together, verses together. This is what God thinks of poverty. It says, but it shall come to pass that if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe, to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command this day, then all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. The fruit of thy land and all thy labor shall a nation which thou knowest not eat up, and thou shalt be oppressed, not only oppressed and crushed always. Thou shalt carry much seed out into the field and shall gather but little in, for the locust shall consume it. So what he's saying that if you don't listen to the word of, God, word of the Lord, if you don't listen to the voice of the Lord, these are the curses that shall come upon you. And here you see the curses are basically lack and poverty. One of the first curse is that uh, uh, the fruit of your land and the fruit of your labor shall another nation, which you don't know, they're going to eat up. And not only that, but you shall be oppressed and crushed. So you will work, you will sow, but Another nation will come and reap the fruit of your labors and you will be crushed and oppressed. Now that is a curse. Then it says, uh, you shall carry much seed unto the field. So you go to the field carrying seed and, uh, and then you spread your seed on the field. But when it begins to grow up, the locust shall consume it. And you know, a locust, I've seen them when I was growing up. They would come from the desert. A locust. Uh, you know, whenever the Bible talks about locusts, it's actually a symbol of the devil. It's a symbol of destruction. And I call it the devil. It's a symbol of destruction because I used to live in a city and which was right at the edge of the desert. And locusts, they thrive in the desert. They come out of the desert and there'll be millions and millions and millions of locusts. So I remember as a child, you see on one side, the sky would be dark, dark. And so... If there was no sound, just a dark sky, then you know it was a dust storm coming from the desert. And it was like a storm of dust would cover. So you ran inside the house uh, to get away from the dust storm because the dust would be all over. But if you saw the dark cloud 
and you heard a humming sound, then it was a swarm of locusts. It would look like a dust storm. The sky would be dark on one side and then you would run inside your house, close your door, shut your windows, everything. And then within minutes, the locusts would be upon you. And these are ugly creatures. They were like, like grasshoppers, grasshoppers. And the heads were this round and they were this long. They looked like grasshoppers, but they're ugly like monsters. And they would come and they, you know, everything would be dark. They would be sitting on your trees and, and then they would, they would eat everything. And when you would, when they would leave, you see that every single leaf from your trees has been eaten up. Uh, your fruit trees have no fruit on them. Your rose bushes have no leaves. I mean, it was looked like the surface of the moon, looked like a desert. They would, and there'd be millions of dead locusts on the ground because they would fly against your windows, your doors, and they'd fall and they'd die. And, and then you had to clean up these dead locusts. It was horrible, horrible. So, and in the desert, you have this locust. So in the Middle East, you know, these locusts would come and eat everything. And that's what he's saying. And in the Bible, locusts, are a symbol of, of, of the destroyer, you know, destroy, they come and destroy everything. So it says, um, you shall sow seed in the field and your harvest shall grow, but then the locusts shall come and they shall eat up the whole thing. And in like this, in a few minutes, everything shall be gone. Then it says, that's a curse. When you sow, sow and somebody else eats it up. You shall plant vineyards and dress them but shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You know, you shall, um, you know, you, you will grow grapes, and but you won't drink the wine. You shall not gather the grapes, for the worms are going to eat everything. The pests shall eat everything. Then it says, Thou shalt have olive trees throughout all thy coasts, but thou shalt not anoint thyself with oil. That means there'll be no oil, there'll be no olives, for then olive shall cast its fruit. So, you know, these are the curses and the curses are basically that you shall plant and, uh, and but you shall not reap. Either the locusts shall come or the enemies will come or the worms will eat it up. Whatever you do is going to fail and you shall be poor. No matter how hard you work, you shall be poor. And that is a curse. That is what the Bible calls a curse. You work hard and nothing. No, but in the same chapter, there are other scriptures. So. This is from Deuteronomy 28, talk about the curses of poverty, but there are also promises in the same chapter, Deuteronomy 28, there are God's promises of provision and blessings. And it's interesting because the curses are promised if we disobey the word of the Lord. That's what God was saying to the people of Israel, that listen, if you disobey my word, if you don't hearken unto my word, these are the curses shall come upon you. But he says, but if you obey my word, these are the blessings that shall come upon you. And it then says, and it shall come to pass that if thou shall hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, that means this is what's going to happen. If you listen to the uh, voice of the Lord uh, and do and uh, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command you this day that the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations of the earth. That means that if you obey the Lord, the Lord is going to exalt you over all the nations of the earth. And then he says, and all these blessings, you know, in contrast to the curses, all these blessings, and I'm sorry, I didn't give you the verse numbers, Deuteronomy 28 verses 1 to 5, verse 8, verses 11 to 13, and I'm reading those verses. 
and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you shall listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. So you are blessed in the city, blessed in the field. So those of you who work in the marketplace, you work in banks, insurance company, or you're a stockbroker, or you've got some kind of business in the city, or if you work in rural areas or a farmer, whatever, wherever your business is, if you work in the city or you work in the field, and uh, he says, if you obey the word of God, God is going to bless you. Then he says, you shall be blessed in the city and you shall be blessed in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body. That means that children, your children shall be blessed. Not only financially, but your children shall be blessed. And the fruit of your cattle, that means your calves, your whatever animals you have. The increase of thine kind and the flocks of thy sheep, your sheep, everything. Blessed shall be your basket and your store. Then he says, the Lord shall command the blessings upon you in your storehouses and in all that you set your hand unto. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Let, let me just tell you a story. My director of operations in Africa, Pastor Mavondo, uh, you know, he a yeah, man of God, you know, and he, he, he trusted the Lord. So he has a farm. He's got a couple of hundred acres. He has farmed there and there's many other farmers there. So anyway, he planted corn. And when he, when it was time to harvest, his corn was taller than everybody else's corn because he spoke the blessing of the Lord upon his field. And he was a, he's a man of God, diligently to, you know, to obey the Lord. But he had so much more corn than everybody else. And so they were coming to him. They said, what did you do? Did you use any special fertilizer? What, what did you do for your corn to grow higher and bigger than ours. Why is it that we, you are blessed and we are falling short? So he shared the gospel with them. And you know, that, that's how God blesses. And that's in a very clear and visible way to see it. Now it says, um, and the Lord shall make thee plenteous in goods in the fruit of thy body. He says, God will prosper you, make you plenteous in goods, in the fruit of your body, in the fruit of thy cattle, in the fruit of thy ground, in the land which God swear unto thy fathers to give thee. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto thy land, unto thy land in a season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations and shalt not borrow. So that means that God is going to bless you bless you so much that you're not going to borrow from anyone, but you shall lend to other nations. Hallelujah. And that's the true blessing of a country when we are not in debt, but we are prosperous and we are blessed. That's, ha that's having more than enough. More than enough is when you are not in debt, but you are being able to lend, to give to others. And the Lord shall make thee thy head and not the tail, and thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath if thou hearken unto the commandment of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. Amen. Let us stop here. Tomorrow we're going to talk about Joseph. We are still talking about Yahweh Jireh. The Lord our, is our provider. Amen. And after that we'll talk about Yahweh Rapha. That means I am the Lord that healeth thee. The Lord our healer. But let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for your blessings for your love, your mercies upon each one of us. Thank you for your hand upon our lives, Father. 
Bless them, bless their families, meet every need they have. Father, if anybody be sick in their homes, heal them from every disease and infirmity. Lord, may we serve you and serve you with gladness, with your blessings upon our lives, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, God bless you, and I'll be seeing you tomorrow.